So. Yeah. <laughs> good, to, yeah. good to, you know, be prepared for anything incriminating that any one of us might say. Welcome to Life Behind Bars, the amateur cycling podcast that stops for coffee, cake and a bit of pro-peloton opinion along the way. I'm Graham Wilgos. Joining me as ever is the Sean Yates to my Simon Yates, David Quainton. Ah, have you make the calculations? Well, this Sean Kelly, but it doesn't matter. What was that? It's a different Sean altogether. And the Pratt to my Pratt de Albis, Stephen Balby. Wow. Double wow. We've all made this. Well, at least you've managed to introduce yourself this time. So. Yeah, um, who are you? I am still Graham Wilgos. <laughs> um, stage 15 of the tour this year. Daldis. <laughs> in the Pyrenees. Very good. Yeah, okay, I, shall, I shall now look at so it. So now you know what it is. 11.8 kilometres. Well, I came prepared, you see, with yes. the stats. What Average governs of, a new climb in the Tour de France? Who they haven't, haven't used it before. Yeah, that means yeah. it's in well, the defines climb. it. Yeah, but what, what makes them think, oh, we need a new one? Of all the ones we have to choose from, what, what makes well, sense? As know, there's something of a pitching process where local regional bodies basically go, we would like the tour to come here and we will do nice things, including paying money. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. Especially if they go, and we've got this road that we're going to tarmac. That's part of it. Roads that haven't been tarmac before still. So anyway, I'm sorry for giving you the harshest introduction yet. That's, that's, you didn't deserve that's... it because we've been away a long time and a lot's happened as well since we've been away. Yes. Including what, David? What's happened? A change of name. A change of name. So we are now the Life Behind Bars Cycling Podcast. And you can find us at Life Behind Bars Podcast. And in all major prisons. Yeah. And Instagram. Yes. Uh, no, it's nothing to do with the penal system. It's. Let's get that out of the way. Should we start on this again? No. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, what have you been doing while you've been away? Christ help us. Um, what have I been doing? I've actually I've let everyone down, haven't I? You've let us down in yeah. a big way. Well, actually, I've not done on the rebrand yet. Um, so look, we've we've rebranded and we're um, we're now life behind bars. Um, so thanks to well, having previously been top tube. Um, but we just need to say a very quick thank you to James Broughton, um, the brilliant designer who's given us our new um, logo and identity. Um, so thank you, James. That's one of the things we've been doing uh, while while we've been away. Um, and, and so while I was coming to you there, was I've let everyone else, or let you two down, and probably everyone who's listening, so I've mm. let three people down. Yeah. Um, while we've been away, and I've done some training for the Marmot. Which is really disappointing. In oh, fact, you're, you're the most trained of the three of us right now, which is... What were you thinking? Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still the heaviest of the three of us, so that's going to be an issue. But producing the most power, presumably. I mean, I have to, currently. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so I've, I've spent five days in, uh, or just outside Girona, just outside Banyolas at Can Compolier. I can't help but hear my Girona because I came up with it once. And now every time anyone says Girona, that's what now. So will everyone else? Yes, good. So I've done a few climbs around there. The um, there's one called the uh, the Mother of God climb. How was is, it? Well, How it many wasn't times as did you say it that? wasn't as formidable as as the name would suggest. It's about uh, it's eighteen point eight k's long, and it's an average of about four percent apart from the last three k's. That's a nice kind of gentle. Well, the, it's yeah, and the average they said uh, the the last three k's are uh, it really ramps up. Um, Rock Corba did that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. This famous climate we talked about before, any, um, and that, the most famous probably in that there? part of the world. No, um, so it was obviously Ashley Mormon Passio, her, yeah. um, so for the ones her you family. were riding with, staying with. Well, no, because Ash was um, Ash was doing her Ardennes Classics campaign. Oh, right. So it's her her husband and, and dad and, and his partner. Wait, were, you mean were, she hadn't about, invited but... you out there to give you give her, make sure she had a stern test? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Rowan Dennis is, a, is another pro. Lives in the in the yeah. region and often tests himself in Rock of Corba. Um, but against Graham and and um, Christian Mayer, uh, the former Orica Bike Exchange. Uh, pro owns a cafe with his wife, which is very good. La Fabrica in Girona. So if you if you go and do one of the climbs, Els Engels, it's called. Well, I couldn't help think of it as Hell's Angels. Angels. Yeah, uh, you can um, you can poodle back down into Girona and and sort of two pedal strokes really, and you're at the cafe. Um, How does it which is very good. Alongside other places that you've based yourself for cycling holidays, especially other places that um, you can.
twist into a popular. It's a bit um, of a popular pop song. Yeah. It's a bit a popular pop song. <laughs> so any other type. It's a bit of a, a grown-ups playground, really. Um, Banyolas and, and Girona, for that matter. Is so that a line got... from the song? No, maybe it should be. We'll, we'll re-record it as a as a trio. Would you um, prefer to say there or um, uh, Bormio, or would you prefer to say I liked Bormio a lot? Um, we didn't stay it, in Bormio. We stayed we, up, um, up considerably above Bormio. Yeah, well, we that, had a very good view in that would be a major landmark. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's got it's got a bit of everything, and everything is is super easy, super accessible. You've got the Pyrenees, a short um, short ride away. Uh, you've got Rocacorba literally on your doorsteps. You, you you're out of the out of the door, pull down the driveway, and um, you you almost one turn, and you're you're straight onto the Rocacorba climb. You've maybe got a kilometre. Did to you do up. like twenty minutes on the rollers um, first of all? No, <laughs> no, I just went straight into yeah. it. Uh, Nick uh, Kiwi, as we know him, did a, a his own warm up. Um, which might have been the reason I beat him up there, just because I had a head start. <laughs> um, it's got, you know, Lake Banyolas is, is two k's away from the front door. Um, climbs, views, uh, beautiful terrain. You've got gravel trails as well. So we took the TT bikes out. Mm. Um, and oh, Sorry, the three T bikes out, not the TT bikes. That would be crazy doing no. gravel trails on a time <laughs> trial bike. Uh, gravel trails are hard. I've, I've realised I turtled, I <laughs> went upside excellent. down. Yeah, put, put so much force through my drivetrain that, and and and, and was anything, so off you balance. Were, you were too powerful. If yeah, 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 yeah too well, too heavy. Certainly too back heavy. Um, so but it was absolutely excellent. I recommend so it to anyone. Were you literally on your back with the bike above you in the air? That's exactly right. This yeah. Is so the, you, it was the, the the gravel trail, and you've got some serious inclines on these gravel trails, mm. and. You've really got to sort of hang on and, and, and hope, well, I do hope for the best because my bike handling, although okay, is, is possibly not up to the Peter standard Sagan. required for okay. gravel trails. Yeah. Uh, so the way down can be a bit hairy, but you, you know, you, you kind of grit your teeth and get through that. Um, but on the, on the way up is um, it's so steep. I felt like it was, you know, that 27% yeah. gradient in um, around Lake Como yeah. for the, the, Lombardia sportive it was it felt a bit like that and I wouldn't be surprised if it was too far off was that complicated by the gravel under your tire yeah so that so the that, grip was you were spinning exactly with. that you so you spent I, I found I spun out quite a lot which probably just meant you'd be surprised that I was in the wrong gear um, <laughs> but yeah so you, you've got those two factors first of all and then you've got the fact that you're you're, you're trying desperately to, to stay upright um, and so you're, you're, you're sort of hammering on the pedals as much as possible and the weight all the weight is on the on the back and yeah. so you you bounce you have all bounced along on the bike going uphill right um and on this one i started bouncing and just kept going <laughs> until i uh until I've, i landed on my side so, so imagine the doing bike that was okay but you kept pedaling like a pro no no i stopped i felt humbled so we looked around as if anyone had seen, but it was just me and Kiwi out on the so trail. So imagine doing that about and three, he had already gone on three thousand meters of altitude on a thing like that um, after already riding for about five hours, as you would be if you did Mauna Kea. Yes, Mauna Kea in uh, in Hawaii. God, that probably gives an appreciation of what that must be like. Yes, so fair play to anyone who's done that. Uh, do we know of anyone who's turtled on Mauna Kea? I imagine. Right. Well, no, I think I think people don't produce enough power to tell. Right, right in if you have, <laughs> and uh, and tell us your story. We'll if, whether or not you got your breath back. Turtling on Mornikaya, Stephen. Um, you've been going up climbs that are not as long but more punchy, haven't we? Uh, yes, I've been in Devon, and um, one thing you've always mentioned about Devon is that when people do Lands End to John O'Groats, or indeed John O'Groats to Lands End, depending on how you, or just riding it general. Yes, well, they always say, actually, depending on which route you take, um, you should do, in fact, they they say that you should do Ledjog, um, Lands End to John first, being, the logic being that you need to get the hills in Devon and Cornwall out of the way. Because if you're coming back and you're tired and you're expecting to get to the finish, um, suddenly they're a really shock to the system. And I never really understood why that was. And this weekend I really found out because it's a very, it's a, it's an Escher-like, Helter skelter landscape full of uh, 20% plus climbs everywhere and there's no flat and I had my time trial bike for various logistical cock-up reasons. Um, it's so easy to to 
underestimate and burn yourself out within about 20k. So like, well, this I'll just keep powering up this one. It's only a short climb. I can see the top of it, and then they just keep coming, and they're all 25%. Ah, oh, but for me, you see, it was the it's complicated by the fact it was my first ride according to Strava <laughs> of the entire year. Um, That's not true, though, is it? It's just the first one. Well, it's not on Strava. It didn't happen. Yeah, it's true. Yes, indeed. Because um, you've never ridden a bike. I've never so it's May. To the, it's May, um, and I'm doing a cycling podcast. And I've, I've done my first ride this year. I apologise. Um, so yes, uh, for various logistical reasons, this year I haven't, I've only been able to do some running. Um, and um, because I took my time to ride a bike, which was a pig, and always is, and and the ups were terrible, and the downs were worse because the roads there are so narrow. There's mm-hmm. no passing; they're too it's too narrow for two cars to go past, and they're all covered in hedges and trees, which are very beautiful, but um, constant blind bends. So you have to be riding the brakes all the way down. Um, so it decimates your average speed. Um, and I think in 45 kilometers, I I managed to ride of an average speed of 18 kilometers an hour, which was turtle pace. There's, it just seems to, they do, Devon does a very good line in climbs that are only about 250 metres long, but the first 125 up to a bend is quite punchy, and you kind of get there, and you think, oh, this is okay, and then it doubles the gradient round for the next 125 once you've gone around the corner, but you've already kind of gunned it up it, and you're in the wrong gear, and you, yeah, it just... Well, you're also dealing coming. with very poor road surfaces and lots of weird cambers and... It's a you know a contortionist act at times. However, I would say it was incredibly beautiful and varied. And in the middle of the ride, I went through Dartmoor, and there were lots of sheep and lambs just chilling on on the side of the road. And it was incredibly charming. And then at the end of the ride, I reached the beach. So it was it was all time one of my all time top ten rides, I think. And I encourage um, anyone and everyone to go and check it out. It's not a time trial bike. Yes. What have you been doing yourself? I've been riding my bike, but just, I guess, more localised. You haven't gone away, have you? No. Not yet. So that's, that's to come for you. I did a bit of Box Hill. I was quite pleased, actually, how swiftly I went up. Well, you're in shape, house. dude. I'd, I'd say you're probably in the best shape of the three of us. As we, the, the Marmot now is not far away. Less than two months away, in fact. Well, I will be probably, like, almost a stone lighter than you last year. A, did you set a PB on Box Hill recently? No, I missed out by four seconds. Four but seconds I wasn't... Too. I could have done. That's the thing. Which is very exciting because you know we're all old now. I mean, it mm. turns out my PB was five years ago, which is that means my PB time. is also five years yeah. ago, isn't it? So go on, give us your Box Hill PB because that will be a climb familiar to many. Fourteen for the six fourteen for the two point two k. Stevens is five fifty two. Oh, I can definitely improve mine by at least 30 seconds. I've never really gone. If you took my, my t- you, were, you got <laughs> driven to the bottom of Box Hill so you could have a no, go but, No, but that I've is, worked this that, out. That's frowned upon at best. <laughs> no, I'm going to point this out. I was 80th all time on Leith, on Leith Hill. Um, and if you took the wattage from that and applied it to Box, I would definitely have been low fives. Where are you now? I don't know. I checked. Hmm. What must I be up, Box Hill? 638? Yeah, yeah, I think you were 632. 632, good. it's all right. Yeah. So a little bit of context for anyone who doesn't know, Box Hill, Surrey Hills, it was the the climb from the 2012 Olympic road race. And it's nine times. Uh, which they did nine times. And yeah, it is, yeah. the, so the Box Hill Zuglag Road is what, 2.2 kilometres long? Yeah, 2.2 kilometres and about 6, 6%. 5 to 6%. Yeah. It doesn't, it's a power climb, it doesn't really suit climbers. It's about, you can go, you can do the fastest time if you're sort of medium weight, quite powerful. Punchy and the, the absolute record holder will be pre- presumably Ian Bibby, will it? I don't I could, you know. I it's changed check. hands a few times. Yeah. It was it's um, like low, it's four minutes. Who's something. held it in the past? Um, Sergeant Pezinger, yeah. yeah. Um, there was this guy called JP, someone who, yeah. who was mysterious and he was briefly rumoured to have been Lance Armstrong. There was a rumour that Lance Armstrong had nothing better to do than to go around the world anonymously and take out. Oh, yeah, I remember this. I think it was disproved. But obviously, Box Hill, if anyone doesn't know, is the most um, uh, performed segment in the entire world. 104,714 people have recorded uh, a time on Strava on it. The current best is a guy called Edmund Bradbury from Memorial Pro Cycling, who did it in 426. Ed Bradbury is a several times national hill climb champion, so he's not surprised. Ted Van Pettinger is second, Ian Bibby, and then Danny Lloyd. Danny, Danny for, Lloyd. For me to get, for me to get close to the the six minute mark, or close to your record, it needs to be, needs to be less life behind Mars bars for me, and more life uh, behind bars. That's yeah, very good. I mean, which is what I was going to come to. In the, uh, <laughs> I, I got, I got, all, I got all flustered. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I want us to pick because not only have we of course been um, riding as amateurs but a lot of pro peloton action has happened since last we came together mm. um so instead of going through it meticulously i'm going to ask you to pick out your favorite bits favorite bit i'm going to give you one and and if you've got a really good second then you've, you've got a bonus bit as well steve um first bit has to be obviously it's not going to be original but um, was is obviously going to be uh, Mathieu van der Poel's performance, <laughs> stunning, amazing performance in Amstel Gold, a uh, barely believable. I mean, uh, it's been much commentated on at this point, so we don't want to come too late to the party. But I had actually missed the race when I was watching the highlights, and and was texting. You, you knew two. the result, didn't you? Yeah, so you... and it knew th- theoretically he had won, and yet I was texting you two and saying. With ten kilometers to guess, well, how, how to go? How could he have won? Because he's, so he's like how two far behind? Yeah, two minutes and change. Well, with two kilometers to go, with five or six to go, with seven kilometers to go, I said he's a minute behind. How can he possibly mm-hmm. win? And then with two kilometers to go, he was still forty-five seconds to, behind. And I was, I was thinking, well, this is this must be a joke. And then he then leads out his own sprint. Yeah, barely believable strength. Because yes, okay, so. He led a group, and obviously, to some extent, Alaphilippe and and um, and uh, Fool Sang were sort of. I don't. Alaphilippe, interestingly, said afterwards he was he was suspected of sort of um, soft peddling and trying to make uh, playing get to trying to play games with Fool Sang, and yet afterwards he said no, he wasn't. He was actually giving it his best, um, and they must they must have just been tired. But the group behind were helping van der Poel, but van der Poel was clearly dragging them for the most of it. Mm. And then um, when Kriatkovsky um, made, the, he was chasing... He, he bombs it over the top, doesn't he? Yeah. You, you feel like that's the that's going to be the move that... Well, it indicates that Alaphilippe and um, Fuglesang were slowing because Kriatkovsky was able to make the junction. And then, you know, if it was just van der Poel on his own, um, had joined up with Alaphilippe and gone straight past, you'd imagine, okay, well, that's barely credible but because actually there was a group albeit some of them were hanging on and indeed um, Simon Clark went past Philippe and Fubal sang as well hanging on to Vanderpool it suggests that the two in front were pretty tired I think Philippe was coming towards the end of a you know quite a tiring phase of the season yeah Fubal sang as well and I think you know it, it we can label it as just an incredibly exciting and amazingly strong performance from someone who um, has always had an incredibly Strong pedigree, uh, the the son of Adri van der Poel and the grandson of the I say he's the word great Raymond Poulidor, um, and someone who's you know even more so than Wout van Aert now is is going to be sort of defining uh, the one day races for years to come when he eventually deems to return to the road because he's not going to be doing the road for the rest of this season or next season until he competes in the mountain bike as we said before and as, as, we, as, we've, know, as we've discussed before the, the interesting thing will be what team he turns up at or whether indeed if they get enough sponsorship for his current team and just base a team around him because he's clearly well, talented yeah. enough to do that it could happen no, he's going to go to a big team isn't he He's bound to get team. Um, what's caught your eye, David? Uh, well, I mean, that leads on nicely, actually. Um, the constant battle between uh, Alaphilippe and... So you're uh, going to anticipate what was going to be my second. Uh, no, uh, if, if you're looking back on it, the the Classics campaign was really defined on a couple of races by their battle with each other. And actually, the best races were them going... You know, hammer and tongs, and generally Alaphilippe winning until the the last race, Liège Bastogne Liège, where Alaphilippe finally kind of ran out of gas. And apparently, um, a, a number of kilometres out, when he was being dropped, he was next to Fuglesang and said, "I hope you win." Yeah, um, which is nice that they've got that sort of uh, you know, camaraderie. Because yeah. they hadn't always. There was a bit of needle, especially after um, Amstel Gold. And but I think just. The fact that they spent so much time together in starting in Strada Bianchi and going through the entire Healy Classic season, I think obviously, you know, breeds an inevitable respect for one another. Yeah. And Fuglesang must have been a bit annoyed <laughs> with the number of times that he, you know, was the strongest breaking off the front and then Anne Fleet would come over yep. the top. Um, the other thing about Liège Fest and Liège, which I think we all enjoyed, is the tremendous piece of bike handling Fuglesang did to uh, to capture his when he was uh, oh, descending, coming out on hit, that corner, hit a, a white arrow, I think, on the road, and f- the bike fishtailed, and he managed to stay up. And not only that, maintain his pace. It was extraordinary. You, you could watch handling. that. 
over and over and still not work out quite yeah, how you managed to do it. Right, yeah. um, so a great campaign for me, actually. And really, just a really interesting um, uh, classics campaign. It was actually nice to see a bunch of new winners. and Yeah, like genuinely exciting. Yeah. You've really underestimated it there because actually we've not seen anything like this for a long time. Certainly, I don't think you two have. And even I can't really remember such a new sudden rash of new and unbelievably talented new people mm. such that we've seen have we seen you know the end of the sort of uh, hegemony of Sagan for example who has underperformed I think he's been ill but there's so much talent coming through now that we've you know we've stopped talking we were talking about uh, Podjakar earlier in the season mm. we were talking about Ivanapol and you know they haven't been given a mention albeit Ivanapol's he's being protected he's mm. still Bears repeating, only 18 yeah. years old. Um, and, you know, it's going to be absolutely well, fascinating to see, you know, Van der Poel, who's six yeah. years older than a Van der Poel, but then going head-to-head yeah. -head with Van who'll come good, obviously, um, in over the next couple of seasons. And it's been incredibly um, exciting and, and uh, bodes really well for the sport to come. But I think you make that point that one of the big teams, they're going to be fighting over each other for the signature of Vanderpool, um, and that, you know, that's going to sort of cause a degree of wage inflation, I imagine, and it will be interesting to see who ultimately ponies up the budget well, for that. He's got to go to Sky, hasn't he? Or Ineos, sorry, he's got to go to Ineos. Yes, Ineos have now officially become Sky, and that leads us neatly on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which for anyone... Well, don't you want to talk about my favourite bit? What's your favourite yeah, bit? Wow. <laughs> I thought that was your favourite bit. After what, Graham team has said Sky his favourite... Team Ineos? After Graham has oh, said oh, his favourite bit. It was great when they unveiled the kit. It was <laughs> yeah, my favourite bit. Graham, and now they look, they look exactly the same bit? as every other team with a red kit in, uh, in the peloton. What were you going to come on to? And I'll see if I can segue into it. Or uh, out of it. I was going to come on to the kit, but, but I think what we should actually do is talk about your favourite bit. I was going to talk about Teo Gagan Hart. Yes. And showing up. At the Tour of the Alps, yeah. Formerly the Giro del Trentino. Because he won not one, but... But two stages. And he won them very impressively. <coughs> Outsprinted Nibali. Um, not obviously known no as, a, feet, as a sprinter, but yeah, certainly no mean feat. Um, and now, excitingly, will be given his chance, uh, Ter Gagan Hart, I mean, at uh, the Giro d'Italia. He will co-lead um, with, with, with the man who, who obviously won the Tour of the Alps, Sivakov. Um, so Team Sky won two, uh, sorry, Team Ineos won two at the Tour of the Alps. Um, Do we have so to have a swear for a, job off a of Sky? Uh, well, yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, and any any jingoistic uh, for, terms of phrase, and probably the word banter as well. Mm. So uh, that, they, they're all qualifying for the swear job. Civicov looked bloody good though, didn't he? He did. And so they're going to co-lead at the Giro d'Italia, which starts this weekend, mm. um, which I know we're all very excited about. Um but for a team not known necessarily for giving younger or young talent full stop a chance, um, you know, you, sometimes you, you still hear about the Yates brothers, whether or not they should have gone to Sky and they decided obviously not to. Um, and a, a, a big reason for that apparently was because they wouldn't, or they thought, or the perception was they wouldn't get the same chance they would elsewhere. So, yep. they, you know, obviously now we know they're at Mitchell and Scott. Um, but for a team that, that supposedly does not give its younger riders a chance, um, Egan Bernal... Injuring himself out training now, all of a sudden, that's, that's all that has to happen. One well, presumes he would have been supported a, by them anyway, though. I mean, yes, um, and they would have been up the pecking order. But yeah. now they're they're co-leaders. Great. Well, imagine the confidence that will give you. Not only taking two stages and finishing one and two on the podium at yeah. you know the the biggest stage race to set yourself up for the Giro. Um, I mean, we, we, but, but now about, going and and being the the main men there for Team Ineos. We'll talk about Giro later, but we don't expect either of them to finish say top ten, do we? Certainly not top five. I would be surprised given just what a packed field it yeah, is. Yeah. But I think, well, I, th I don't think it's so. Look, a, a week is is one thing. Doing it over three weeks is in, is another entirely. But if they're if Browsford's backing them, then I don't see any reason why they shouldn't finish top ten. Well, one a week of is a long time in politics. And fourteen. Days uh, right, you're straight into the jingo. Just straight into the jingo <laughs> jar. You see. <laughs> What did I just say? <laughs> Avoid cliches like the play. Yes. Was it, in fact, stage? It was stage seventeen that Yates bombed out. Yeah. yeah. Right. So essentially, what we've been talking about there again is Gagan Hart and Sivakov are going to both be given their chance in the Giro, which is tremendously exciting for them. Obviously, uh, Bernal with his injury has been sent down the pecking order. Uh, without a mechanic and um, for me I think it's really interesting that there's 
a marked difference between the one-day races now and all these guys who are suddenly coming to the fore that we've forgotten about in the stage races. And I find it fascinating that we've seen such an influx of new talent in, in one-day classics, but also now we're seeing the same thing, a changing of the order in, in the stage races as well. Well, Bernal was the form or is the form rider this season arguably he, he was so impressive at Paris Nice he wouldn't um, have gone in his favourite but only because he doesn't have you know he's not won a Grand Tour before so other than that I mean yeah on form is anyone going to outclimb Bernal? I doubt it Roglic maybe I, I guess Yates last year Yates would have been favourite to do that and he still is Yates is still the strongest out and out climber the only question is what we were discussing earlier is um, how much will the two longish time trials um, dampen his well how much of a lead will he need to out to hold it against the likes of Roglic and of course um, your favourite chap David um, Thomas Tom. Tom, Tom. 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 should we uh, should we talk about all that after we've uh, heard from uh... another contender no who's not going to be in the Giro this year who's that um, well, we're actually, we've we've got a bit of a snippet, a short one this time, of Nairo Quintana explaining why he's not going to be in the Giro. And oh, that's some excellent. real insight this time. Yeah, this is me. good stuff. Mm. Thanks, Nairo. Excellent. As always, he's very on point, isn't he? Yeah, doesn't need many words to express himself, no. does he? <laughs> really. Uh, it's great when we amuse ourselves. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, more of that in, yeah. uh, in part two. That's the end of part one. We'll be back. Welcome back to part two of Life Behind Bars. Steve, what have we got? Uh, well, we've talked about um, the last couple of weeks in the men's um, sport, and now we're going to go to Hannah Orton to, uh, to uh, sum up what's been going on in the women's peloton. Hi, it's great to be back. God, there have been some really great races over the last month. Reigning world champion Anna van der Bregen took her fifth consecutive flesh well on win which puts her on a par with Marion Voss's victories between 2007 and 2013. Um, it's also the first major win for Bowles Dolmans this year, which must be a real weight off their collective shoulders because they've won five major titles by this time last year. Um, they've actually been riding really well and doing everything right on paper, so it's nice to see it come together for them. Um, <laughs> I really hope Anna enjoys her 1,150 euro prize money and spends it all at once. Uh, maybe Julian Alaphilippe can share some of his 16,000 euros with her. Annemiek van Vleuten has put in some incredible chase efforts for her three second place finishes. Um, in the Tour of Flanders, she went head to head with Cecile Utrecht Ludwig and Marta Bastianelli, who won it. Um, and in the incredibly exciting finish to the Amstel Gold, she ruthlessly time trialed after Kasia Nivia Dommer, um, closing Kasia significantly to almost nothing by the time they crossed the finish line. Um, and her efforts this year have paid off with her second win of the season at Liège. Van Vleuten's Mitchelson-Scott teammate Amanda Spratt has been consistently brilliant as well as a pace setter and a brake leader and she's protected Van Vleuten in the peloton really well. Um, I really hope she's allowed to go for her own win in the not-too-distant future. Um, she's looking really, really strong and they also make a really brilliant double act um, as do Ashley Moulin-Passio and Marion Voss for CCC Live. Um, Voss has had a fairly slow start to this season. Of course, she won Trofeo Alfredo Binder and finished third at Amstel Gold. Um, but they've also had some bad luck with multiple punctures in the Tour of Flanders and Ashley's horrible crash on the finish straight at Amstel Gold, which thankfully she walked away from, had me with my hands over my eyes. Um, it was really great to see Voss's definitive return to form at the Tour de Yorkshire this week and looking ahead to the Tour of California next week and the Tour of Britain in June, I think she'll definitely be a favourite. So, we've waved goodbye to the classics. Um, Annemiek van Vleuten is leading the GC, Bastianelli second and Nuvia Dama third. Um, so, which races are in the pipeline for the Women's World Tour? Um, we have the Tour of Chongming Island starting on Thursday. It's a three-stage race around the Pancake Flat backyard of Shanghai. Uh, we won't be able to watch it on TV and the start list is looking kind of patchy with most of the big teams heading straight for the Amgen Tour of California on the 16th. Although Mitchelton Scott and Park Hotel Valkenberg have chosen China, and WNT Rota will be sending riders to both, a feat they couldn't have achieved last year as the races overlapped on the calendar. 
Um, at the end of the month, we have the Climber's Paradise of the Amakimin Bira in the Basque Country. And then we can properly start to look forward to the tour of Britain in June, which I'm going to try to get to see live. Are you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be there, logistics allowing. Thanks to Hannah there. Uh, excellent and uh, never less than informative as ever. Uh, right then, David, on to the Giro. No, let's let's do a little cab watch. Cab watch. Yeah. Cab watch. Cab watch. Cab watch. Like yeah. Uh, well, what's it? so we we know he's off to the tour of California. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't make his plane, but apparently, uh, the Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> other airlines are available. Yeah. Um, Virgin Atlantic were very helpful. I noticed from his social media this morning. Right. Um, he has since we've been away finished third in the sprints at the tour of Turkey. Yeah, I mean, it's a minor kind of race, but it was nice to see him sprinting again. Nice to see him contesting a sprint, yeah. wasn't it? And then, obviously, it was set up to... Um... You say minor, but he did beat a certain Caleb Ewing, which was encouraging. Yeah. And then, um, in the uh, Tour de Yorkshire, terribly named Tour de Yorkshire, mm. um, he, 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 got into, <laughs> he got into good positions, but didn't actually properly... Should it be called the, the, wait for it, the Tour de Yorkshire... No, I actually spoke to Ken Matheson briefly on on Twitter oh, yes. about the the why, the naming conventions of the Tour de Yorkshire. Mm. Uh, he's uh, wait, he seems well. I, I, I can't say that I know him. Do you want to say who Ken Matheson is? Uh, former British cycling coach mm. um, who uh, is no longer part of British cycling, but is still quite vocal on the subject. Um, he was saying uh, he wasn't fully behind um, the naming convention of the Tour de Yorkshire, which is to take the sort of French parlance. Um, and, and call each of the clients. So, for example, instead of uh, the um, the Buttertops, like Buttertops Hill, rather, Buttertops? Buttertops Hill, yeah. <laughs> um, or the Buttertops Park. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go that. again? No. <laughs> instead of the Buttertops Pass. Yes. A, they don't call it the cold, do Buttertops? Do they? they do, yeah. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've ridden the cold. No, we didn't ride Buttertops. Did I don't think we did. No, I don't think we did. We, we've ridden others. Um, mm-hmm. And the, uh, the convention is... As Gary Verity explained to me um, a few years ago, when I asked him about this, to, to drop a name, name yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> the point is, the Tour de Yorkshire is is it's it's sprung out of what the 2014 Grand Depart. Oh, so yes, the the, course, the Tour yeah. de France begins in the UK. First two stages in in Yorkshire, third one down to London. Great. So um, the way Gary Verity described it, uh, he he would have said, or he said. Um, the Tour de Yorkshire is a joint venture between them and ASO, ASO, the owners of the Tour de France. Right. As far as he's concerned, or as far as um, the organisers of the, the Tour de Yorkshire are concerned, it's a joint initiative, and the the language of cycling is is French, yeah. uh, and therefore they want to keep their close ties to um, to the Tour de France, uh, and it's a sort of nod back to look, this is where it all began. Uh, so therefore they they stick with the same naming conventions that you would find on the continent. Um, and it, it, that's what makes me smile as well. It, it, I, I quite enjoy that sort of boring old, or what we think of as, as almost forgotten seaside towns. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of, a little bit of glitz, a little bit of glamour. They might say in a French accent. Yes. <laughs> I don't so much have a problem with that. What I do have a problem is calling it the coldy butter tubs pass when clearly it's a coat, if anything. It's, a, it's the coat. It might be the coat. I, yeah, I should have looked this up beforehand. No, I suspect um, it is the coal. Anyway, anyone who wants to correct us. Feel so from Cav to the Tour de Yorkshire to... Do we think that they're in danger of alienating? Because what, well, I guess what they're trying to do is is, is capture the uh, the kind of quaintness of, of cycling in a way. Because there is a quaint aspect of it and I think that's probably what they're doing there. Um, but... One of the problems I think cycling has is that parts of it can be a bit impenetrable, mm. especially all the conventions and all the, the rules and stuff. And, and I know, Stephen, you're kind of more of that era than we are. Uh, and actually, I, I, was, I was involved in a conversation with someone the other day where they were complaining about the idea that riders might have like numbers on their backs, like squad numbers or names on their backs, because it would just change the way cycling is. And actually, I think all that stuff that could make um, cycling more approachable and more open and more understandable would certainly people. make it easier for commentators, wouldn't it? Yeah, and less esoteric, which I think well, cycling funnily is. Funnily enough, one notable uh, peer has been advocating uh, electronic tagging for cyclists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which 
that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not remember, in the pro peloton, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, you see that you see that though sometimes with the graphics now. Hmm. So if you've got the 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 helicopter shot looking down on the peloton. Yeah. And then the graphics will come up on screen. So to the right and the left of the road, they can pick out the rider and they will do it. They will sort of box it off in the same color as the kit. Mm. Um, And that helps for me just to give you an idea of how the race is shaping up. So I think certainly that would be the first step to maybe making it slightly more accessible as a as a, a TV spectacle. I was wondering, do, do you think the language of the peloton, there, there's a word in, in itself, and, you know, calling someone a puncher or a grimper, or, or do, do you think that is a, a barrier to people's understanding of science? Well, I, I think it's part of... Puncher. Puncher. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of the, the mystique, part of the um, the fascination with it. It's all getting into all of that. Mm. Uh, and there's no way cycling is as a as a sort of as a sport is ever going to drop it because it's so tied yeah, to its true. history and, it, and more so probably than or arguably than most sports actually cycling has always been a sport which has had certain barriers to entry and, and I don't mean the terminology um it's always been it's always been vaguely esoteric and it's already become light years more accessible in the last 15 years mm. Um, both in terms of um, the information out there available, the um, efforts by TV broadcasters to uh, pitch it to a wider audience, and um, efforts of clubs to try and uh, break down some of the yeah. barriers and make it less elitist. Um, and the sheer number of people, when we went for a ride in just Richmond Park um, the other weekend, the the number of, we're comparing it with say ten years ago, and, and the number of people riding around is is significantly, uh, it's like ten times the amount. Well, Hannah will tell you that you know she's been she's got into cycling in the last couple of years in a big way, and she as a, as a as a woman she says that what was incredibly important to her was men, you know, not of of being able to just answer you know stupid questions. Um, in a, in a face value way and not sort of dismissive. Well, there's no yeah. such thing as a stupid question. Yeah, yeah. and um, ultimately, though, you know, I've I've it's as someone in this case, in this in this well, context, though. but as someone who went out, you know, from what I define, sort of term as the milky tea in a lay-by brigade, as opposed to the sort of espresso in a cafe, sort of <laughs> modern reality, um, I've had some sort of difficulties from time to time in sort of coming to terms with it because I never wanted cycling to turn into a modern equivalent of football where you'd go and have like what I would sort of term as pub conversations where you'd hear everyone having the same conversation and once I was working Stephen doesn't like anything to become popular no I was working in an insurance brokers last year and um, <laughs> when I good, met you all good yes. stories yeah. 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 And, and I heard I heard some insurance brokers not to disparage them but um, to disparage them that's uh, right you've upset them already if you've yeah. left I'm sure yes um, quite so no um, I heard them having conversation in, in a sort of football pubby sort of um, way about um, what was going on in the. I think it was a, they were talking about Froome's victory in the Giro, and I thought, um, well, that's excellent that that cycling's really reached the masses in that way. But at the same time, part the old school part of me cringed inwardly slightly because I don't want it to become something that you know you just. I I, see, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think the more people that cycle, the better actually, because um, you know just in a general. Fitness and health of the UK thing. I can't. It well, can't I fully accept thing. that I'm on. I'm sort of a minority in that opinion. But, mm. uh, but yes, obviously, it's better. To be honest, it, I'll take what the situation is at the moment over what it was, where I had to wear tracksuit bottoms to the edge of town unless people threw garbage at me. Um, so you know, which is certainly a common experience of people at the time. So it's all it's all great. And and I've said before, and I'll say it again, the transformation in our sporting culture and running and cycling and general fitness in the last 20 years has been absolutely extraordinary and we should never take that for granted. Yeah. So if you speak to 20-year-olds 20 now, they're pretty boring compared to when we were 20. And when we weren't exactly how popular as well, perception. No, they don't, they they just they're much they drink. They there's less they're they're boring. They, they drink less. I mean, and I don't think any of us smoke, but they smoke less. Um, they, they, eat less, better. they eat better um, and I say that's boring but obviously it's all good things they're more likely to ride a bike yeah. sometimes around Italy seamless, go <laughs> well, how do you want to start? do you want to start by making the calculation? <laughs> <laughs> 
Can we yes. talk about Sky's Kit at some point? Yeah, we can talk about yeah, Sky's Kit now. Um, we mentioned it earlier. I'm going to reforce the issue of uh, Sky's Kit. Uh, now, I don't want to offend... Um, Who's Kit? Sorry, my apologies. The, the uh, kit of <laughs> Team Ineos. Uh, I, now, I don't want to offend... It's Jim Radcliffe, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, Sir, the owner, Jim Radcliffe. Sir, 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 Sir Jim. Um, by suggesting that the logo for Ineos as a brand is not massively conducive to a contemporary cycling kit, but that is pretty much the point I'm making. So um, what they've done is essentially take the existing former sky kit of blacks segging into navy blue at the top and turn the blue red and just uh, swap out the old sky um, typography with the Ineos. Um, what it's do not, you think? It's not particularly inspiring. I, I, it was reasonably well received and actually I, I can what imagine... What else could they have done with it? Yeah, I can, I can imagine a lot of people buy it. Well, what I was concerned about was that, for me, mark of Sky's success and their brand was always that they were the first really to to own the colour black and they were always very distinctive and frankly they were very cool they were cooler than you know all those sort of second tier italian outfits with sort of fluorescent yellow and you know looking like a formula one driver's overalls yeah, yeah. and sky was sort of much more much classier than that and but they when you saw someone that. in a sky kit unless they were noticeably heavy you, they kind of had to be good yeah you, you you're setting yourself up really if you see someone in a sky kit you bet you better go past me on this climb or you're although unfortunately a lot of the people in west london wearing sky kits yeah. were noticeably heavy this is true yeah. so uh, but you know good for them i need to pick one up <laughs> <laughs> Are you going uh, to get the Ineos kit? What's your favourite kit in the Peloton currently? I, well, I, th- I used to like the old Garmin Sharp kit, the blue one hmm. with the, I mean, the red that, and white detail. I did say in the Peloton currently. currently yeah. yeah, well, all right, I'm coming to that. Nice. You're impatient, <laughs> aren't you? Hey, you've been away yeah. a few weeks. You just want to cut to the quick. It was a good kit, that. It was a great kit. Um, currently, uh, it's it's an unpopular choice. I quite like EF Education First. Oh, the pink? Yeah, the pink and blue, I think, I think it actually works. Is it works. an unpopular I'm... choice? I think people are coming around to that. I think yeah. the natural reaction is to go, well, no, that's a shock to but the if system. You had the right... you look at it and you think, for a while, Hell once it. you get yeah. exposed to it, you come around. I'm not I against have. it, it has to be said. Mm. How about yourself, David? I'd probably come on, buy the Movistar. Come on, answer me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably get the Movistar. Really? Yeah. Well, that, is, that is controversial. Yeah. One thing I will say about kits is that um, you'd go for the Valverde's World Champion kit, wouldn't you? You, you love a bit of that. Right, he's come on. Just the way he wears it. Um, well, it's just you know he's going up against the possibly we've said this the coolest guy historically ever possibly on a bike. So again, um, in direct comparison, so CCC's kit, uh, Greg Van orange. orange. Now. With black shorts, and I'm not against that, except that I'm Greg Van Avermaet. No, I'm against. I'm against specifically Greg Van Avermaet's wearing. No, he's far. He's definitely taken over from Valverde as the object of my eerie. <laughs> um, my, is it because of the uh, your eye? My eye. My eerie. The object of my eerie. The object of where you keep your eagles. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if you look at it, the dictionary, you find that that's not an incorrect term. Um, and, uh, you know, seriously, um, <laughs> look it up, look it up, look it up, bad boy. Um, right, so, no, the object of my ire and indeed um, the place I keep my eagles <laughs> is uh, the pairing by Greg Van Avermaet of an orange top with a gold um, armband. So, but why does he, why has he got and, the gold armbands? Well, because, because he, he is the reigning Olympic champion, which I think is frankly quite wanky anyway, because that's not official, that's not UCI sanctioned, that's just been a trend that was started by Samuel Sanchez when he won it. I like and that. Was taken there's no, there's no problem with that at all. But if you've won it, it goes earned four it. years though. It's not, it seems. It seems. But well, the point is, you, you can't wear still... gold with an orange with an orange top, and especially you cannot wear a gold helmet, and not just any matte gold helmet, but a shiny gold helmet. I think you're going into that's a bit too good, much. Yeah, it's quite good for spotting him though. What yes, and, and again, actually, so if you're if you're looking to differentiate the riders hmm. when you are that common aerial view, yeah. Um, right, come on then. I, I hinted at making the calculation in a terrible Irish accent. Yeah. Should, should we, we make, the, make the calculation? Yeah. Do you want to give us your best, Sean Kelly? Come on. Making the calculation, which I stress is an homage. Yeah. Because we we're, we're all big Sean Kelly fans. Even though I said it when you said Sean Yates earlier on, but we'll, yes. <laughs> any just any Sean really <laughs> yeah, any nicely Sean, fired, isn't it? Any Sean. Um, 
So Connery, the Giro d'Italia. Yes, I don't like Sean Connery. But Sean Connery will not win the Giro d'Italia. What I want to talk about <laughs> is the main contenders, the GC, the Gishiman for the for the Giro d'Italia. <laughs> David, you're Can going you for David. It's no surprise. Well, I raise an eyebrow if you like. No, that's not going to do much for, for the audio. It's no surprise to know that you're going for Tom Dumoulin, who has shown zero form this year, being as he spent most of his time uh, training. He spent most of his time preparing for yeah. this event. It's uh, it has two long time trial longish time trials, which will suit him. It also has some incredibly punchy climbs, Can I put you on the which, will, which will not suit him which quite as much as it will suit other riders. Which no. is the reason why Tom Dumoulin will not be my pick. Dumoulin on him briefly. So you, you mentioned that he's not been uh, that active in terms of racing. So he's ridden a couple of classics, which were Steve. Mm. Uh, the age best on the age most recently. He was fairly active in Milan San Remo. He was up there in the last, in the final of that. And he, the last stage race he did, as discussed, was the Torino Adriatico. Yes. Yeah. So since then, Thank he's you. preferred. Oh, you're welcome. We're moving it along. Yeah. <laughs> since then, um, so are. he 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 also did uh, the uh, tour of the the UAE as well. Mm, yeah. Um, as, as a sort of early season yeah. tester, I suppose. Um, but the man who came out on top there and has come out on top in pretty much every race that he's chosen to, or at least close to the top, yeah. um, has been Primoz Roglic. Primoz um, so Torino Adrasco won it from Adam Yates by what, a, a, a third of a second, three tenths of a second, something ridiculous. Um, he's just won the Tour of Romandy, where he also took the time, the the, the latter time trial, two time trials in a very short week long mm. stage race, and beat Campanets, beat the... Victor Campanets, the, the the current hour record holder. Um, so to beat him and and Campanets won. I'm just going to remind you that we have an ex- still existing live sock bet that um, John Archibald <laughs> will eventually um, take the hour record. Campanets record. And and just so who's bet against who? You well, bet on him. You bet on Campanets. I bet on Campanats to win the hour to take the hour. Yeah, and I bet that Archibald would gazump him. So, do you owe me socks currently? No, Archibald hasn't attempted it yet. Okay. When does this end? At the end of the season. Time limit. When, when, oh, when, 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 oh, really? Oh, nice. Excellent. Well, you might as well hand the socks over now then. Back to Primoz Roglic. I'm talking of you. Might as well hand the trophy over now. Uh, He's good, if it was if it was a week long race, then I think you might as well hand the the Giro d'Italia to him now. Uh, so he won Trono Adratico, he's won Romandie, he won the, uh, the Tour of the UAE. Uh, he He's surely the form, well, he is the form man, objectively the form man going into it. The time trials will definitely suit him. So you mentioned the three time trials there. I expect him to take pink over Dumoulin on the first day. The time well, trial but you've said, you've said it yourself that if it was a week-long race, and yeah. it is not. I mean, so, you said well, we're... but he also, sorry, dude. Well, I was, the, the, the other thing I was going to say was last year's Tour de France, he rode himself onto the podium um, in the in the latter stages. He was third with three three stages to go, uh, and it was only a, an almighty effort to, from from Froome to nudge which him back I, off of that. So I called if you remember when we were driving down Alpe d'Huez and there was Roglic written on the side. I said, "Look out for him because he's going to have a ah. really good Tour de France." Uh, well played, retrospective, yeah. preempting. Yes. Yeah. Well, well done. Um, well done for uh, for, for rightly harassing yeah. <laughs> back. <laughs> anyway, point is, Roglic has shown he can come close over three weeks, and he is a better rider now, and seems like he's in better form now uh, than he was even at the top. But the key will be his um, pedigree over three weeks, and the question, the vex question of will he be able to stick the landing? Boom, boom. Because he was a former. Ski jumper. I mean, my joke was predicated on everyone knowing that yeah. he was. Well, yes, but it's, it's good to explain jokes. Jokes are funnier when you're. We're, ex- yes, we're, we're, we're being accessible for, yeah. for new listeners. I think as the well. question is with uh, Roglic, and it will be asked fairly early in the second week: is uh, has he come into this too hot? Is he? Is he? Is he? You know, that is often. So you, you think he might fade? Yeah. Um, and so the first week is relatively flat. Actually, there's not a lot of interesting stuff going on. for the sprinters. It'll be, uh, first it'll week, be a question of trying to. Stay. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask: How long are the two time trials? I think the first one is 8.2 kilometres. It's very short. You're kidding me. That's barely a thing. Yeah, it might be 18. It might be 8. Mm, let's look it up. David, I think you said there's two long time trials. <laughs> there is a there was a long time trial at the end. Well, that's not enough to rule out Simon Yates. He's clearly going to be if he's got any kind of form, the punchiest of climbers. 
and he's going to stick some time and if he's going to be aggressive. The final time trial is 17 kilometres. Well, that's nowhere, that plays right into Yates' hands. Well, one, so Simon Yates is your pick then, Steve. He is. Yeah. Yay. Tell me why. <laughs> because he's the best climber. Tell me why. That it's is why. It's a little introduction to the Bat Street Boys. I've also there. got a There's sock bit. There's also a 34.8 kilometre time trial in the middle. Oh, there's another one. Okay, very well. Uh, so, in fact, that first one is really just almost a prologue then, except slightly longer. It has a climb at the end, so the San Luca... Oh, well, even more into Yates' hand then. So, you are going with Demuland. Demuland. It is. Uh, it's 8.2k 8. is the first one. Oh, oh very good. Mm. Uh, David Demuland, uh, Graham Roglic. And myself, uh, yes, Simon Yates. Uh, so, any other um, any other suggestions? Because it may not be those three. Well, Vincenzo Nibli, we can't rule out. Of course, he's looked very punchy. Nibli's looked as good as he's looked for about the four shank. years. What I what will I pre- I will predict with Nibli is that he will at some stage make an attack, go <laughs> about eighty meters up the road. Dangle there for about twenty five seconds and 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 sheepishly come back. I guarantee you that will happen on numerous occasions. Um, are we, At least he tries. Astana yes. are going with a strong team too. So Astana have looked strong all season. So that that leads into it. And they've obviously got uh, Superman Lopez, uh, supported by Pelo Miguel Bilbao. Angel Lopez, supported by who? Sorry, uh, Pelo Bilbao and uh, David Vieira, uh, Dario Cataldo as well. It's a good. It's probably the strongest. Um, squad out the there. strongest squad in a race notably not as strong as the Tour de France is going to be this year as is usually the case but last year was not I've got another dark horse for you Ruben Plaza the Israeli cycling team that is a, that is a noir yeah <laughs> wow, that is deep and there is no light escaping it's that right the black shadows, hole that I, I jest <laughs> I, if he, well if he, fair play if he does something if I don't, socks, socks yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bob Jungles Bob I mean, Bobby Ugnalls has basically proven that he can't uh, challenge in there. Although, you know, there's three time trials, that's going to suit And yet, for, for a climber, ironically, you know, especially in the one-day races, Jungles is massive. No. Yeah. <laughs> that almost went by without comment. That's in the jar. <laughs> I liked it. Le- uh, 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 fair play for building it up yourself as well. Um, Teo, top ten. We'd like that very much. And there's also, uh, I guess, worthy of a mention, uh, Balcon Molimar, uh, Ilna Zakarin, who will both finish around 7th or 9th. Zakarin would finish 10th or 11th. Sprinters. That's what he does. It's been Viviani's season so far on the the bigger races, isn't it? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that's true. Um, There's been kind of spread around a bit, I guess. I think that almost the best sprinters this year so far is... um, Bennett. Bennett, but he's, um, no, as there. an addendum to Cavwatch, although Kevin Dish is obviously not going to be taking part in the Giro, mm. barring a huge surprise, uh, what are his plans this season? Is it the tour for him? He will be doing uh, California and then the tour. Right, okay. Uh, Moscon was uh, removed from the Sky team at short notice to take part in the tour. Did of you California? know the Calif- tour of California takes place at the same time? I was building up to that. The Giro you, you've, you've been a bit blunt with it, you see. <laughs> Steve does know that you now. If anything, wait, wasted it. Um, Fernando Gaviria? We will always be there or thereabouts. What's Caleb Ewan up to? Uh, well, he, he will be there. Well, I think we've named all the chaps there who are likely to uh, feature. Caleb Ewan? I don't think we can call this insight when we simply name all the sprinters. <laughs> How old do you think he is? Because it feels like to me he's been around for ages. He is very young. He's 26. 24. 24. Is he really? 24. Yeah. Wow, I just said like 28. Um, so time. he he showed up at the Tour of Turkey. He's, he's suddenly uh, Ewan this year has shown um, ability on kind of punchy uphill finishes, which he's never shown before, and has won maybe three or four, uh, which probably will bode well. For he did that at the Tour of the uh, the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. As well, so who is the co- who is the reigning points jersey uh, winner? It's Viviani, isn't it's it? Viviani. Yeah. Uh, so for who are we going to go for then? For the points jersey, is it going to be again? again? Yeah, quick step will be going there, and they'll be the strongest sprint train, and and they'll be focused. A fair player, Flotte Sidal can get you and up there, but I'd have had Bennett if he'd have been. Yes, to I go. know, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so what's Sagan up to? Saving himself for the tour? He's not there, mate. Right, well, so, Sagan will have a chance of winning California. Uh, is it even worth talking about the King of the Mountains in the jury? I mean, it could be it's Lander. It's a consolation prize, isn't it, in the jury? Well, I mean, Thomas de Ghent is racing, so it could well be mm. the Thomas de Ghent prize for 
I mean, that's going to be exciting. Could be a blast from the past, Stefano Pirazzi. <laughs> he always used to target it, a sort of uh, Marco Pantani light. I see huge Carthy going for it. Huge Carthy, yes. Rafael no... Mica. Mica will be going for GC and failing. Um, but, uh... Well, that's my point. But if he, if he does, then surely and, the um, second, we, what, second what, best what, uh, British King interest? We have uh, James Knox, or as we like to call Foxy. him, Foxy, Foxy Knox. Knox. Um, good point, Steve. How many British riders are there in this year's Giro? David, you know the answer to this. Mm. Uh, I believe it's a number greater than four. It's five, isn't it? It is five. It is. Uh, and who, so who are they? Come on. Teo. Of course, who's going to be let loose now that uh, Bernal is not, is not leading the line. That's one. You've just mentioned another. I've mentioned Hugh Carthy and I've mentioned James Knox. So the other and two James are... James Knox at De Koenig, yeah. Uh, one is um, the young Scott Davies. Correct. Uh, and uh, Chris Lawless, isn't it? Is it? No, it's no, not. It's not. Know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so it's Scott Davis, James Knox, Simon Yates. Of course, Simon Yates is British. Sarah <laughs> <laughs> Gagan Hart and Hugh Carthy. Right, well, they, we sort of, uh, we've sort of, the pace of this is, is sort of slowed a bit, but what I am going to round this up by saying is that this year's Euro is still noticeable, notable, and I want everyone to remember this going in, <laughs> in that. The last five Grand Tours yep. have been yeah. won by British riders, and this could be the sixth. Yeah, and this, and because of the way the dates fall, and the start of this year's Giro will be after two years since any other nationality won a Grand Tour. Which That's I think incredible is when you unbelievable. think... Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you started riding properly, the very idea of that would have been just so Crazy. far... Yeah. Not even thinkable. No. Um, the, the idea that... A, British rider could a, a current British rider could climb. It just it just didn't really exist. So. Um, I'm gonna do. We're gonna see how that goes. I'm gonna do some comparisons of in history of other nations next week. Um, and I think we're gonna Britain comes out very well in that. And and it's not talked about as much as it should because it's absolutely amazing. And it could be six, and it could be seven. So who was the last man who wasn't British to have won a Grand Tour? It was the it was De Moulin. In the 2017 mm. Georgetown. Mm. And that's when we came Pumalan. Mm. Subsequently, Froome, that is Volta. Which then is, by the way, a Dumoulin Tondra. Froome again. Uh, then. That's right, Stephen. What? Actually, no, who were the so five? Fr- Froome, Froome at the Tour, Froome, Froome, Froome at Volta, Froome at the Giro. Yeah, yeah. The Yates and Thomas. Yeah. And how is Thomas? How did Thomas go in the Tour Romandy? Finished third overall. Yes. So he's. would he say, has he been. Recorded he as looked, saying he's uh, on a course. Yeah, he, he was noticeably thinner than he did when he was partying. In he finished one minute and twelve seconds behind Primoz Roglic. And how is what is Fremont in these days? Uh, well, he he rode the Tour de Yorkshire as support, really, for Chris Lawless. Yeah, he's going to the Dauphin. Looked fine. Yeah, he's, he'll be now on a um, a general. He and Thomas will not ride together until the tour. So Froome's doing the Dauphin. What's Thomas doing? Well, it's the tour of uh, the tour of Switzerland. Right, okay. the tour de Suisse is what I was going for there. Okay, well, both exciting races. Um, I still we're not going to talk about the tour yet. Uh, not yet. We'll keep our, we'll keep our powder dry for the tour. That's for another day. But um, I'd, I'd just like to say about the Giro d'Italia. Though. Well, say it. No, what would you like? In fact, we, we're kind of waiting to talk about it till next week. But but the Giro for me is the most beautiful of the Grand mm. Tours, and especially. Uh, when they eventually hit the high mountains, very backloaded with high mountain stages. It's also just stunning around there, and, and the helicopter shots that you'll see will just, if you can't watch that and get into cycling, then you, you know. Steve, itching, itching uh, to get in. No, there. I think it's, it's actually too trendy to say that the Giro is the most beautiful, mm. and I have always <laughs> and will always be the, the one to buck the trend, yeah. the Tour de France. Perhaps, though, that, that's because I am a Pratt. beautifully rounded out thank you Stephen for finishing where we started Uh, it's good night from him Stephen Balby salut it's good night from him David Quentin and it's goodbye from me we will see you next week Uh, life behind bars good night podcast Jessica Rennes good night (laughs) (laughs) Uh, bye bye I think it worked quite well yeah